Bird to your mother, it's time for another episode of Birds with Friends. Just a couple of feathery brethren weathering any season to see the Eagles eating teams like bacon, steaks, and cheese. It's Philadelphia, Boeing shielding the cut, kicking it cooler than two penguins. Still Bo's old arch nemesis, Greg Cosell shows up and it gets real. Pull up a branch and chill, it's time to get ill with some Birds with Friends. The early bird skips the worm and prefers getting turned like a turn on some Birds with Friends. Bo will for you come Coming at you with stats and things, flapping their wings. You can't live up to expectations, so just do your best. (laughs) That's what I tell myself in most life endeavors. (laughs) Just go with what you saw today. Change your opinion daily. Yeah, I'm all about that. You'll be wrong often, but then you can just point back to when you were right. No one will remember. No one's listening. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Birds with Friends. Bo Wolf here. In uh, what would only would only would be a very confusing situation for anybody to walk in on. I'm just sitting on the couch, a tangle of wires connected to the computer, to the little thing that we record on with the microphone. Uh, if I got up, the whole situation would come crashing down. I'm here, and on the other side, as always, Shilkapadia. How are you, sir? Three days away from Nowlands. 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 That's right. I forgot. Nowlands. Uh, yes. Now, um, I think we should start off because before the post-game pod after the Bears game, actually, this isn't true. I think when we checked in on Saturday, you texted, we have to talk about Gibby on the pod tomorrow. And then before Tuesday's show, you said, uh, we gotta, we gotta talk about Gibby. And so this has been like four episodes now where you keep saying, we gotta talk about Gibby and we haven't talked about it yet. So why don't you tell us your Gibby story? Yeah, it's nothing great, but we keep well, forgetting to be. tell it. So, I was at the Eagles hotel, the, the same hotel that the Eagles were staying at in Chicago. Because How nice I'm, for you. I'm just that important, and I was getting in the elevator to go up to my room after I checked in, and it's me, and it's Gibby, and then it's a couple, a couple of Eagles fans, and so we get in there, and uh, you know, Gibby's got on like his. Eagles snow hat, his Eagles uh, sweatshirt. He's decked out all, all Eagles gear. I think he just <laughs> might have might have run down to grab a water or a snack or something, and then was going back up to his room. And so uh, he's decked out. And then you have this Eagles couple, and so they they say to him, they say, uh, "You going to be at the game tomorrow?" <laughs> and he says, "Oh yeah, yeah, I'll be there." <laughs> and well, they say, sort of. Yeah, sort of. And they say, you know, I think the guy wasn't sure kind of what else to say there. I think he wanted to indicate that, hey, there's going to be like a lot of Eagles fans there. And so he said something like, oh, it's, it's going to be really loud there, huh? And, uh, and Gibby's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and so this was the entire interaction. And then so Gibby gets off the elevator and the couple, the guy's like, Actually, you know, it says to his wife or girlfriend or whoever it was, he's like, you know, I think uh, that might have been a player. And I was like, yes, that was a player. Oh, you did tell them? I did tell him. I did tell him. And he's like, oh, man. So, yeah, he had no idea that uh, he was in the elevator with a player on the Eagles. But it was uh, I thought it was funny how Gibby was reacting to that I, I think that was probably the right move he wasn't rude he was nice well yeah i mean you're not gonna say like who, do you know who i am i've no, got the highest i've good. got i've got the highest yards per catch on the team i would have had to break out the old iphone for that interaction mm, if that, that happened good we also got no, a, I, yeah, go ahead. I did look like a high roller there because you know i i don't want to brag but i am a platinum mm. uh, marriott member now and so the floor i was staying on you had to put in your card one of those you can't just push the button sure to like floor 12 and so uh you know gibby asked me what what floor but he couldn't do it i had to break up the card so i don't mm. know he might th- he might think i'm someone very important you are someone very important oh, thank you i mean not to me but okay to some people that's nice that's nice uh <laughs> um i don't remember what my follow-up was yeah so serves you we're, well we're off to a we're off to a rollicking start Okay. Uh, what was your other? You you also wanted to uh, touch on the. Nah, the save that for the end. Save uh, that for the end. All yeah. right, fine. All right. Well, coming up on the show today, we will do our uh, our football proteiniest, 
episode of the week. Our Sparrow focus on both sides of the ball. And uh, I guess we can start, Shield, with the Saints offense versus the Eagles defense, unless you want to sort of take us through the idea behind the piece that is uh, it is posting shortly and sort of uh, the, the blueprint for an upset. Take it however you want. No, people will have to subscribe and read The Athletic oh, Philly to get okay. the, the full gist of that piece, which is sort of a blueprint for an Eagles upset. We'll touch on some of the points here, but okay. it will be, you know, it'll be uh, it'll be stripped down a little bit. But, yeah, let, we can start with the offense. Okay. Uh, so, obviously, this is a uh, this is a very good offense. Although I was I was uh, I don't know if you were as surprised as I was, you know, if you look at the weighted DVOA over uh you know so the weighted DVOA on football outsiders knocks off weeks 1 through 4, they don't count for anything. Weeks 5 through 10, I believe, are discounted and then it's like weeks 11 uh on and week 11 of course is when the Eagles play the Saints. Uh weighted DVOA, the Saints 6th on defense, 7th on offense. I can give you some more numbers on that. Okay. So I discounted week 17 because they didn't play anybody, right? Teddy Bridgewater was the starter. But if you look at the five games after they played the Eagles, so weeks 12 through 16, again, not a – not the biggest sample size, but this is what we will we will go on because the last time we saw them, they were a juggernaut. In week 11, here are their ranks. Seventh in yards per play. Eleventh in net yards per pass play. Hold on. I this think is, I might be, that, that must be uh, the second half. That must be the, that's the 12, 12 that's through the, 16. That's the defense. Oh, okay. Okay, here we go. All right. Got we it. are firing on all cylinders here on a Thursday Start night. Again. Well, yeah. you know, the, the, uh, the playoff run is a little different when it's all road games, as you said earlier this week. And, you, you know, your stupid idea to do daily pods. As that I, was your idea. As I said earlier, I have no more words to give between writing and speaking. I have nothing else to say, but we'll get through it anyway. Okay, so the Saints from weeks 12 through 16 averaged 5.07 yards per play. That ranked 24th. Ooh. 5.9 net yards per pass play. That ranked 21st. They were 15th in explosive pass plays. They were 28th in runs of 10-plus yards. And they were 17th in points per game over that stretch at 22.4 points per game. And let's also contextualize the teams they were playing. So they were playing the Falcons, the Cowboys, the Bucks, the Panthers, and the Steelers. There is one good defense in those five, in those five games. Now, the other caveat, though, is that three of those games were on the road. Yeah. At Tampa Bay should not be difficult. Well, I mean, but it is just the the fact that the Saints are a different offense at home. I mean, we've seen this over the years. And so that's the only point there. But, yes, they were not going up against a murderer's row of NFL defenses. And yet, uh, I think there is plenty of reason to be be scared of this offense. Um, You know, we make make fun of uh, the Peter King Nuggets in the the story from when they were game-planning against the Eagles about how uh, you know, they have, if Carson Wentz passes between this and this, then he's never won, and we make fun of it because it's one of the dumbest things in the world. Uh, but it's it's clear that if you look at sort of the numbers on this offense, that Sean Payton cares about um, making the offense unpredictable in terms of tendencies. So if you look at things like uh, they were, over the course of the season, 52% under shotgun versus 40, or 52% under center versus 48% shotgun. That's uh, the second most balanced in the league. Uh, they are the fourth most run-heavy team over the course of the season, but that's obviously weighted by the fact that they are they were, for most of the season, playing ahead in the second half. In the first half, that drops all the way down to uh, they were 60-40, which was, which was middle of the road. Uh, they distribute the ball all over the, all over the place. Obviously, they have talented players at these different positions, but 29% of the passing uh, targets were to running backs. That's the second highest in the league. They were 49% 11 personnel, which is the second fewest, second lowest in the league. Uh, so they do all these things to uh, mix up their tendencies, mix up their formations, try to confuse the defense, sometimes doing stupid things like taking the ball out of Drew Brees' hands and putting in Taysom Hill's hands. But 
uh, it is a it is going to be a difficult challenge for the Eagles defense to keep up with everything that is going on on the other side of the ball. Yeah, they're very hard to game plan for, and they have answers for just about everything. I mean, that's the uh, bottom line, and that starts with the quarterback, obviously, in Drew Brees, but also have weapons uh, at we, the different positions. So we lost it for a second Very there, tough team if to you go don't against. mind uh, repeating yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I was just saying they are they are tough to game plan for, and they have answers for just about everything, and that that starts with obviously the coach. I, I mean the the quarterback, and also the coach. I know some people will probably wonder, you know, what was the difference in the in that stretch that I just mentioned, weeks twelve to sixteen, from earlier in the season. I had trouble putting my finger on it with like just one thing statistically. I know. Uh, DFOB Fran Duffy tweeted out a little thread and, and he was kind of saying the similar thing based on his film study. It wasn't like they just started being terrible in one area. I think one thing certainly is that they've been banged up on the offensive line. And so if you look at it, even this week, I think the practice report that came out today, four of their five starting offensive linemen were limited. Ooh, I thought it was all five. Reports. Well, I think, the, I think the one guy might be oh, uh, not a starter. Yeah, uh, Bushrod, I think he built for Armstead, which is still significant because Armstead, I think, has the most significant. He's got that big pec injury where he came, he got injured, he came back, he got injured again, he couldn't play through it, and so now he's trying to see if he can play uh, through this game. So that's one where even if he's out there, he's going to be playing with with an injury in that game. Now, when you say big pec injury, do you mean... uh, Large pectoral muscle he has. Yeah, it's 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 the size of his pectoral mu- muscle size that's injured, pe- not the big in terms of importance. Correct. Okay. Or do you mean big injury? No, I mean this. He, you're, you're modifying you, the size of his. If you look at the spider chart and you look at his pec compared to all other okay. tackles drafted since 2000, he's in like the 99th percentile. Okay. That's a new thing on the spider chart. Yeah. I, I, I'll, I'll share the link on Twitter later. Now, what about his nest and migrate sizes? So they were banged up on the offensive line. <laughs> and we'll say that. I mean, we know that the Eagles are going to have to pressure Drew Brees. That is their, I mean, it's stupid to say, it's obvious to say, but that is, you know, that is what needs to happen for them to be successful defensively and I know that this is a uh this is sort of a a trite thing to say and it is certainly easier said than done but uh it is true that Drew Brees is like like most quarterbacks more affected by pressure up the middle than pressures uh, on the edge he's he's better than most at avoiding pressure around the edge um I looked at the 17 sacks that he gave up this season or that he that he was sacked this season and it was, if I can find that's, it, that's total seventeen sacks. Seventeen sacks total over the course <laughs> of the season, and he played. You know, he played fifteen games. Um, I think it is three and a half came from corners or linebackers blitzing. Then, so what does that leave? Thirteen and a half. So it was yes. seven from the edge, six and a half up the middle, and obviously, most of the league is more weighted towards towards edge sacks than interior sacks. So. Uh, it, it tells you a little bit that you've got a you've got a better chance of of getting after him up the middle, and that means you know it's going to be incumbent. You know Fletcher Cox needs needs to have uh, the game of his life. I think. Boy, you were really doing some research for this. You watched all those seventeen sacks. I didn't watch them. I just I, I looked at who the sacks were by. Oh, okay, gotcha. So it's possible uh, that maybe there's a stunt or something like that. But <laughs> phew! Thank God. <laughs> thank God you didn't watch all of them. <laughs> Uh, let's not go crazy uh no i agree yeah you're absolutely right i mean he's so good at at climbing the pocket when there's edge pressure and so fletcher cox needs to be right there tim jernigan we mentioned flashed a little bit last week he needs to be in there when they go to that uh three defensive end plus fletcher cox package michael bennett brandon graham whichever of those guys they need to get in there as well and then you know you know what chris long is good at is the old rush he, he rushes upfield you know he's an edge rusher but then comes back when down the quarterback climbs the pocket yeah he has like good eyes like he comes back down and 
takes him out. And I, I think Michael Bennett's pretty good at that sometimes uh, as well. So you have is- long talked about how much you like Chris Long's eyes. So they both, uh, all the defensive ends will need to do that, certainly, in this game. Now, I was looking at, you know, you, you were uh, pushing Jim Schwartz on the old blitz, blitz questions. And, and Dennis, our, our, our DFOB Dennis, uh, tweeted us with some, some breakdown of that, but go ahead. Uh, so, yes, you, you were correct. I, I mean, I was looking at the same numbers you were, and so it was, what, 33%. That they blitzed the Saints in that first game, and uh, I was looking at it overall in terms of how teams have fared when they've blitzed Breeze. And really, a lot of the numbers are very similar, like completion percentage, uh, yards per attempt. They're, they're all very, very similar. So it hasn't made much of a difference. Now, the one area where it has made a difference is in terms of sack percentage. So he's actually been sacked on 7.3 percent of his dropbacks when mm-hmm. opponents blitz. And so that was a higher number than I anticipated. And because when their, at- their, their year long number is, is like 3.8% or something like that. Yeah. Well, so that's the thing. When you look at when teams have rushed him with four or fewer, he's been sacked on just 1.9% wow. of his dropbacks. And so you wow. kind of, I, I had to check it multiple times. I mean, it's a crazy number. Um, it's like almost impossible to sack him with four players, which tells you how good the offensive line was when healthy for most of the season, which tells you how good he is with that internal clock of knowing when to get rid of the football. And then just that quick release. I mean, he's got the third fastest, uh, time in terms of getting rid of the ball of any starter in the entire league. And, you know, I was thinking about that game and with Schwartz and I I wrote this, uh, in the piece that'll go up. I wonder if it was just Schwartz saying, listen, we have no chance of stopping this guy um, in terms of like methodically, you know, just conventionally playing good defense mm-hmm. and forcing them to fail on a third down conversion. So let's just go high variance. Maybe we can surprise them. We, we're not a heavy blitz team. Maybe some of these looks they're not expecting. And if we get burned, who cares? We're going to get burned anyway. Maybe we can come up with a sack or a turnover, or something like that. That wouldn't totally shock me, because, I mean, remember the Super Bowl? There was that clip of Schwartz talking to Doug Peterson, and he's like, I'm just going to get aggressive, right. you know? And then also, we know his tendencies, like in the red zone, is, uh, I don't have these numbers in front of me, but uh, they're much heavier blitzing team in the red zone, I would think, than they are in any other part of the field, because he's sort of thinking the same thing um, there. If, can we get a negative play? Can we get a turnover? So I wonder if that was uh, at least part of the thinking of blitzing Brees more in that first game. And now there, there were some, uh, some green dogs in there, so maybe it's not a true blitz percentage that high. But, um, and remember also in that game, that's, when, that's the only time we saw Schwartz experiment with that, uh, that I can remember at least, that, that three-man rush, which he did a couple yes. times against Drew Brees. So maybe you say, maybe you say we're not going to get there with four, we might as well drop an extra guy into coverage. Occasionally. Right. And he did say this week, I mean, one of the first things Schwartz said about Breeze was you can't do the same thing every time against him. Like, this is the quarterback. You have to mix up your looks, whether it's coverages, fronts, blitzes, whatever. And so all those things, I think, go um, hand in hand. Well, I was surprised to see that that three of those 17 sacks came from corners blitzing. So I don't know. I, I, I don't think we I don't think we've seen you know, more than a handful of corner blitzes out of Jim Schwartz all season long, but maybe, uh, maybe at some opportune time, he will, he will, uh, see a chance for that. Have they blitzed a corner? I can't think of a single time. Uh, maybe a nickel, a nickel. A nickel. Uh, there's, yeah, I can't think of one at all, but may, uh, maybe they did with a nickel. <laughs> I can't, crazy. I mean, I can't think of a single time. Me but, neither. Yeah. So, uh, all that being said, I think this is a game where you you rush with four. You'll mix in some blitzes. I don't think it's going to be anywhere near what they blitzed uh, last game. You know, again, maybe it's situationally. Maybe it's red zone. Um, that kind of thing. Maybe if, if things are going bad and he feels like he needs to be a little more high variance, then he'll he'll do that. But I think mostly you rush with four. And your boy, your boy Tony Romo, I was re-watching that Steelers-Saints game 
from week 16. And that was pretty interesting because it seemed like the Steelers in the first half of that game, they were trying to be aggressive and blitz breeze and he was burning them. And then in the second half, uh, Romo was pointing out that they were not blitzing him anymore. And, you know, he, he made the obvious point, but it's a good one that when you're blitzing, you can't double Michael Thomas. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's going to be one or the other. If you're sending an extra defender at the quarterback and we, we did see in the first game, Schwartz, you know, there were snaps where he was doubling Michael Thomas. There were some snaps where he was doubling Alvin Kamara. And so I, I think you would probably want to do that more, especially, you know, on third down, uh, those types of situations. You would want to pay more attention to those guys in coverage than you would send an extra guy at True Brees. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they do in terms of extra attention because last week it was sort of, you know, it was obvious that Tariq Cohen was the guy who you had to worry about. And, you know, they put they put Malcolm Jenkins on him, a little bit of Nigel Bradham. And I think we'll still see probably mostly Malcolm Jenkins against Alvin Kamara. But they've got to pay very close attention, obviously, to, to Michael Thomas. I mean, the guy's been outrageous. His catch rate is, like, historically high for a wide receiver, 85%. Um, I don't know what they're going to do. And, I, you know, are, are we going to see... Heavy uh, dime like we saw last week against the Bears. Is that is that going to be the plurality of their snaps again? Are they going to uh, play more nickel? I think I think we're probably going to see that that big dime. Hundred percent, I think. I mean, you treat Kamara. Kamara is it Kamara or Kamara? Yeah. Who cares? Okay, that's nice. Kamara. Uh, you treat Kamara like he is a wide receiver in a lot of these situations. Kamara so Obscura. I think you definitely are going to play a lot of dime like you did last week. That allows you to match up better. Now, I mean, it is true that like the the that game that forty eight to seven donkey whomping was Devonte Bowsby, Chandon Sullivan playing all kinds of snaps. Uh, Trey Sullivan was was playing and not as entrenched in the defense as he is now. Not to say that he's been outstanding, but he's he's been serviceable. Uh, they, you know they are there is a, they are significantly better in the secondary. Sidney Jones than on a bad hamstring. Sidney Jones on a bad hamstring, getting getting run out on every play. Avante Maddox. Now Sidney Jones practiced today. Safety. We should we should say. Yeah. So I don't know I don't know what to make of that. When playing mind games with Sean Payton, I think. Mm, yeah, get him to get him to build a game plan around <laughs> that again. Though, yeah, the defensive backs—they not only were they so bad in pass coverage. Jim Schwartz alluded to this earlier in the week. Like the big runs were a lot on the defensive backs, mm. whether it was Sidney Jones or Chandon Sullivan. Uh, Nigel Bradham was not good in that game when I was rewatching some of it, which is. Sort of interesting. If if you get the Bradham of last week, I feel like that's a huge difference from the Bradham you got in that game in Week 11. So I do think they are a different defense. Now I think there's a case to be made. This is again, this is sort of like saying that uh, you know it, it's better to get interior pressure than edge pressure. But there's a case to be made that you know th- this game comes down to red zone defense. The Eagles have been the re- best red zone defense in football this year. They forced the Bears uh, to go 0 for 3 in the red zone last week, and they won the game by one point. Obviously, that was a big difference. Whereas the Saints are the fourth best red zone offense. I think they score touchdowns at something like a 68% clip or something like that. Eagles are holding people to 44% or something like that. So, I mean, every time that you hold them to a field goal, that's a four point swing. So, you know, I, I think we agree that. The Saints are going to be able to move the ball with pretty much relative consistency against this defense. But if they can get some red zone stops, then they, they've they got a chance. Yeah, a- absolutely. And another thing that stood out looking at some of the, uh, the big plays from that Week 11 game, Drew Brees is obviously like has been amazing all year long. But some of the throws he was making in that game were ridiculous. I mean, I don't know if you remember this. But I remember like, it was like Keith Kirkwood was getting catches. and Yeah, and just some of them were like really, really tight windows. Like LeBlanc gave up a touchdown that wasn't bad coverage. Uh, there was another one to the left side. I forget who it was. I, I want to say he just like fitted in in between, I think, Bradham 
and Rasul Douglas. Uh, they were very difficult throws. Now, he can make very difficult throws, but, uh, you know, there's that one stat, that, ne- that one next-gen stat. It's, um, what is it, completion percentage above expectation. Mm-hmm. It's not a perfect stat, but basically it looks at, you know, how far was the throw, how close was the nearest pass rusher, uh, where was the receiver, where was the closest defender to the receiver, and then it comes up with a baseline of, you know, how often, just based on those metrics, nothing else, that that pass would be completed. And then it gives you a, you know, this quarterback has a completion percentage above expectation of so-and-so. And so to put it into perspective, that week, just that game, Drew Brees had a completion percentage above expectation of 20.5%, which is crazy. To put that into context, he led the NFL in the regular season, but he was plus 7.4%. And so that was a particularly, like, good game, even by Drew Brees' standards, is what I'm trying to say with all that stuff that probably nobody understands. No, that was helpful, I think. That was well contextualized. I mean, listen, there's a hope that... Uh, two weeks off for Drew Brees. He didn't play in week 17. Obviously, they had a bye last week. There's a hope that he's a, you know, a touch rusty, right? Off a little bit here or there. Get a fingertip on a ball, tip something up. Who knows what happens? Trayvon Hester, you're saying? Play him? Cravon. Trayvon and Cravon. Well, I think two other things defensively. One is that you know, one other thing that was sort of interesting and I guess out of character for the Eagles in that first game is that they did play a lot of man coverage, which, which mm. Sean Payton uh, described after the game. You know, he said, like, we watched every game of the last two years and tonight was entirely different. And he was pointing out how they played man coverage and gave a lot of help uh, against Michael Thomas and Kamara. I mean, Michael Thomas only had four targets in that game. And on the season, he's got what is it, like 140 or something? I mean, 147. Something 147. And uh, Kamara, you know, his, his touchdown, he had a touchdown, but that was his only catch of the game. Mm. So, like, philosophically, it wasn't, I don't think it was a bad plan. Right. By Jim Schwartz. Uh, you know, you can have a great plan and you can have great players against Breeze and you can get smoked. I thought he had a smart enough plan and he had bad players and they got smoked. And so it's, it's not going to guarantee anything, but I do think, if he looks at that game and sees what they try to do, I still think that formula is probably the one that uh, that will make the most sense to him. Okay. I feel like he's going to do some things differently, just not because it didn't work well, just because yeah. they're playing Drew Brees again. You gotta you gotta do something to try to yeah. keep him off his game, right? Well, the dime will would be different. I mean, the only that's true. Snaps a dime in that game now. Imagine imagine what the dime package would have been with the. They, 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 they wouldn't have been able to field a dime. Yeah, they wouldn't have had enough bodies. Yeah, you're right. You know, there is a concern. It would have been Nate you, Gary. You play dime, and you mentioned the Saints. What did you say? Fourth highest rushing percentage? Yeah. Um, which, again, is, a, is skewed because they had leads. But they can run the ball, and they ran all over the Eagles in that game. I mean, Kamara and Ingram had like a combined 173 yards or right. something like that. I want to say, and so if you do play dime, I you know I think that's probably what the Saints will try to do. But if I'm the Eagles, I say, you know what, all if day long, get, if we get gashed by the run, I'm willing to live with that over getting Jordan Hicks matched up with Alvin Kamara and getting, uh, you know, getting toasted on a wheel route. Yeah, I mean, we said this last week against the Bears, but the way that their run defense is playing, it is. I mean, it's it's miles. Uh, better than it was against that the Saints game uh, in Week 11. But if if the Saints are able to run the ball consistently against the Eagles' defense, they're they're going to lose the game. Like they they need to be able to uh, to be to be mostly winning the downs when the when the Saints run the ball. Yep. All right. All right. Anything else on that side of the ball? I'm trying to think. Oh, I know. Ted there's, Ginn, there's, no Ted Ginn yes. in that first game? Yes, yeah. I, that's what I was going to say. That was what you were going to say, too? Wow. Um, Simpatico. Only because, we, you know, we talked about Avante Maddox and the double moves last week, mm. and I was at his locker a little bit today, and, you know, he was like, oh, he's like, they're definitely going to test me with those. I know that. They watched the film. And then he said they, they do that anyway. 
you know, that's a part of their offense. And so certainly that's going to be key with both him and Rasul Douglas, whoever's not on Michael Thomas on the outside. Who, oh, I, get, I mean, whoever is on Michael Thomas obviously will have their hands full. But I think Ted Ginn brings that vertical element, that speed, and, and he will test them with double moves. So I think that will be key. And then, yeah, I mean, they don't, they're not like a deeply talented receiving core, but, right. you know, I mean, Traquan Smith had 10 catches against them in the first game, and Kirkwood was catching ball. So, uh, you know, it doesn't really mean much to say they're not deeply talented because they can still be effective. Exactly. All right. Yeah. The other side of the ball. Saints defense, as we said, has been, uh, has been much better of late and even very good. Uh, they, are, they are much better against the run than they are against the pass. And uh, where they make their hay against the pass when they are good is against tight ends and running backs. If you look at their football outsiders numbers against one and two receivers, they are, you know, bottom five against both. So, you know, your first thought is that uh, I think you said this earlier in the week, if the Eagles are going to win this game, it probably requires a big game from Alshon Jeffrey. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you know, you mentioned those numbers, everything, all the other numbers sort of back up those numbers. And really, if you look at outside receivers against the Saints, this will be in my piece in detail. Outside receivers against the Saints, uh, they gave up, all right, let me say this again, they gave up the most yards to outside receivers of any team in the NFL. They gave up the highest yards per reception to outside receivers of any team in the NFL. They allowed 65.8% catch rate to outside receivers. That ranked 27. So that is the weakness of the defense. You can attack them downfield, on the outside, on the perimeter. Now, some of those numbers have improved a little bit since they made that trade for Eli Apple around midseason. But I, you know, he's still going to be the guy you target. If you're the Eagles offense, you know his tendencies from when he was with the Giants. Uh, again, in that Steelers game, they got him for an explosive play down the right sideline. He got called for a key pass interference in the end zone. And so I think, you know, they've got Marshawn Lattimore on one side. They've got Eli Apple on the other side. I think Apple is the guy you will see the Eagles uh, target in this game. That makes sense to me. Yeah. What else you got? What else I got? All right. So they've given up a bunch of, they've given up a bunch of uh, explosive plays as, as you, as you uh, mentioned, I think even when they were good over the last five games, they gave up, I think the second most pass plays over 20 yards uh, in the league. So even, even when they're playing well, they can be had on the outside. Yes. Uh, Up front. They're good. Cam Jordan is their best Jordan is, is the new Joe Ostman. He's the new Joe Osman. He had 12 sacks. Him against Lane Johnson, that'll be, I mean, Lane Johnson is just getting these beast pass rushers uh, constantly, and so that'll be a fun matchup. Sheldon Rankins, I thought, was very good in that first game, if you remember. He's a big, uh, strong, powerful man. You know what? I think you said the same thing last time, and I said, no, he's more He's more <laughs> like a quick gap penetrator. <laughs> I think I think that's right. Do you remember this? I feel I feel that like might be right. yeah. it's like calling Aaron Donald a big, strong, powerful man. Yeah, right. So, uh, you know, the game was every defensive tackle is a big, strong, powerful man. Yeah, but see, no, you're ruining what how I say, <laughs> like that's not how I use it. We know that, but the big, strong, powerful man is Akeem Hicks. Mm. Sheldon Rankins is a much different player. Who is, would you say Tim Jernigan is a big, strong, powerful man? Um, kind of. How about Haloti Nada? Is probably. he a BSPM? No, he absolutely is not. Oh, interesting. Maybe in his, in his prime he was. How about Trayvon Hester? He has big, strong, powerful hands. That's good. That's good. <laughs> uh, so in this in the second quarter of that first game, I you know when I was looking at it, the Eagles were down 17-7 and they were driving in Saints territory. I'm sure you remember this play, and they had a third down and they had a miscommunication up front, and then and so like Stefan Wisniewski was playing center at the time. He gets beat by Sheldon Rankins. It turns into a 10-yard sack. Right. Where really they were in position where they probably would have gone for it or could have, 
maybe not with the way Doug was calling that game, but could have gone for it on fourth down. So that was a very key play in that game. And so I had forgotten. Was, I, I remember the play very well. I had okay. forgotten that Kelsey left and didn't come back in that game. Like yes. I, I'd forgotten how early that happened. Yes. Uh, and so you would think they're better equipped to handle Sheldon Rankins in this game, but, uh, you know, he, he's good. He's definitely going to make plays. Marcus Davenport, the rookie, was not, not playing that game. He is back. And so uh, that's another pass rusher. But, you know, other than the, the top two guys, Jordan and Rankins, I don't think any other defensive lineman has more than, like, four sacks uh, on the season. So they've got some guys who can make plays here and there. But they are, I think, they're what, sixth in sack rate. Is that right? Sixth or eighth or something. Okay. Yeah, top top ten, definitely. Um, they will blitz. They're, they're, I think, 13th in terms of blitz frequency. Uh, Demario Davis, the linebacker, he had five sacks, so they need to be prepared Double for uh, the different looks, where the pressure's coming from, all those different types of things. I mean, it's not as good of a front seven as they faced last week. Right. That's the thing, is that is that – the Saints defense is is good and better than you think, and yet, you know, they played the best defense in football last week and, and moved to the ball fine. You know, they only scored 16 points, but, you know. You, yeah, well, I you, get You I adjust mean, upwards a little bit. Well, yeah. they're probably going to need to, like, double that to win the game, this game. How many points do you think they need to score to win this game? To be safe, or, like, what's the what's the fewest amount of points I think they could score and win? Um... Few, fewest points, few, fewest you think they can score and still win. I guess this would be under a dream scenario for the defense. Yeah. I think I could see I could see a, a game script where the Saints, you know, dominate time of possession and dom- and move the ball consistently, but the Eagles get a few red zone stops and. Mm-hmm. They the Eagles don't have a great game offensively, but they score four touchdowns and they win like you know twenty eight twenty seven something like that. Okay, I, I think twenty eight. I think twenty eight yes. is 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 my number. We're on the same page. I was going to say the same thing. I have a tough time seeing a scenario where the Saints score fewer than twenty seven points. Yeah, and maybe if you look at them at yeah, home, I mean, well, you know, there's a you know, if 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 somebody can. Uh, knock a limb off Drew Brees, then things change a little bit. Oh, that's true. But now, do, do they have a different backup quarterback, or would they go to Taysom Hill? Are you really hitting me with a backup quarterback question? Okay, hold on. Let me pull up our lads. <laughs> All right, good. I'll, I'll mention this stat while you're doing that. The Teddy Bridgewater, average... of, course, of course. Oh, my gosh. We are idiots. This is the worst. These daily pods. <laughs> I mean, I'm so t- much dumber now <laughs> than I was like two weeks ago. Because of this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we both are. I'm getting less fewer wrong. Oh, yeah. That was beautiful, by the way. Well, I did again, correct it right away. My favorite podcast. My, you know, you got to get up on your high horse. You're not even thinking about what you're going to say or how to respond or put together a good podcast. You're just waiting to pounce when I screw something up. And you got burned, big man. Two can you name. You did what I do. You know the, you know how everybody's talking about Drew Brees and and uh, Nick Foles. I wanted to I wanted to see if there was any if there were any other players on on the two rosters who also went to high school together, uh, or to the same high school. Uh, there are not, however, uh, two. Can you name the two Eagles who went to the same high school? Yes, you can. Jason Kelsey and Shelton Gibson. Of course, Cleveland Heights High. There are there are actually uh, two separate pairs of Saints teammates. One of them, there's three different guys who went to the same high school. I can't remember them off the top of my head. I'm not I'm not crazy. Boy, the listeners are going to be on the edge of their. I think seat it's it's I think it's Ted Ginn, Marshawn Lattimore, and a guy whose name begins with H. Oh, is it that? Uh, what's that Ohio high school? Ted Ginn's dad. Oh, that's right. Aquinas, St. Aquinas, is that the one? St. Pius X, something, one of those? I don't know. Me neither. 
Justin Hardy uh, is the is the third guy, I think. Okay. The stat that I wanted to get out there. The also, Saints one other guy. One other guy went to uh, Neptune, where Vinnie Curry went. So you know, it could have. Last year, if they had played. Okay, I'll try for a fifth time here. The Saints average. You know who else went to Neptune High School? Bam Bam Bigelow. Thirty-four point one points per game at home. And other than that meaningless Week 17 game, they were held under 30 just once at home the entire season. We lost you at the end there, but I think your point came across. Damn it. I think that should be a drop. What was the numbers? One more time. Hello? Dr. Kapadia? All right, we're back. Shield's back. Why don't you give us the... Why don't you uh, hit us with those numbers again? Did we lose you again? No, this, oh, no you got me. Okay. Yeah, no, the Saints, uh, Saints at home... Averaged 34.1 points per game this season. And other than that meaningless Week 17 game, they were held under 30 points at home just once in the other seven games. Okay. That was worth the wait for the listeners. Okay, good. That's for sure. Uh, You know, we haven't even in this, we've talked just about the Saints defense. How do you see the Eagles offense matching up? What do they need to do? Well, we did talk about that a little bit. They got to chuck it downfield. Yeah, they've got to target Alshon Jeffrey. They've got to. They got to get Josh I, Adams his carries. Not, yeah, I think it's the uh, <laughs> quite the opposite. I think they have to not worry about balance at all. Yeah, I, I think mean, they should. I think they should run the ball like ten times in this game. It looks like a huge mismatch on paper. I mean, Eagles twenty seventh in DVOA in rushing, Saints defense third in def- in DVOA uh, against the run. So. It doesn't mean you don't run the ball at all. You know, you, you can try to mix it in, see if it's working. Maybe hey, you cook up some things schematically that the Saints are not expecting. But this is not a game to stick with the run or try to be balanced. You know, last week on 16 first down runs, they totaled 24 yards. You can't have a That's such a good stat. You can't have a performance like that again. I mean, I feel like that will kill you. So tell me this. Do you think that we will see the Eagles try to go for that sort of ball control, not necessarily running the ball, but short passes, quick passes that we have seen since Nick Foles entered the fray as the starter, the same game plan that we thought that they would uh, go to last week against the Bears, which they did, or because the Saints are so vulnerable uh, to the deep play, do you think we will see a more aggressive uh, game plan from the Eagles? Do you think they will try to control the ball to keep Drew Brees off the field, or do you think they will... Uh, as Frank Reich said earlier this week, just trying to score points. Well, I mean, it's obviously not one or the other. I, I think that definitely their identity is still quick passing game, be efficient, uh, string together drives. But I think you have to see how the game goes, and I do think they will be more aggressive uh, than they have been in a lot of these games. You're going to have to score a lot of points. That's what the Saints' weakness is, and so uh, I do think you'll see them take more shots downfield, even than they typically do. And even in you know last week's game against the Bears, even in the first half, they did take some shots downfield. I think they had three explosive plays in the first half, and in the in the first game against the Saints, I don't think they had a completion longer than 19 yards, which was pathetic. And so uh, <laughs> I don't think you can be. Just be totally sold 100%. Hey, keep the ball out of Breeze's hands. Keep their offense off the field. Let's just go with this intermediate passing game. I do think you you will have to be more aggressive in this game. Okay. Any more thoughts on this matchup? Let's see. Well, I think... think You think they go heavy 12 or heavy 11? I think it's probably more of an 11. Okay. Based on last week, I'm not saying yeah. that's right. I mean, you can throw the ball well out of either one of those groupings. So, 
Um, I don't know. Maybe they will throw it a little more out of 12. But if, you, if you're playing Tate, Aguilar, and Jeffrey, I mean, Tate showed some things last week. Aguilar showed some things. So if they did it last week, I would think they would do it this week. But I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. I'm interested to see because, I mean, they went with the 12 until until last week. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I still haven't heard a good explanation for why they felt like they would go back to more 11 personnel last week. Yeah, I guess we should have asked Mike Rowe that. Well, I don't think they would tell us that. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, like a, a, foot, a football hashtag, reason explanation. Hashtag football guy who mm. you know could offer an explanation, but who knows? I you know I think Peter. I think they need to get a little crazy in this game. I think they got to be aggressive on fourth downs. I think yes, they pro- we agree. With, they pro- we agree on that. They, they probably have to find a way to you know steal a possession, steal points. Whether it's a trick play on special, I want, I want, I want. Here's what I want: I want two surprise onside kicks. Two. Yeah. Why? It's the second one. They're never expecting you're going to do it again. Exactly. I agree. I like that. I think. Uh, I think. I think a surprise onside kick would be great. Yeah. I mean, wait. You're not. They're, they're going to move the ball anyway. It's like trying to flip the field on them. It's so stupid. Try for yeah. a turnover. So. Um, yeah, I think they should have something like that. We haven't seen a back. fun special teams play all year long. Yeah, other than the game-winning field goal block. Yeah, but that's not, that's, not, that's not the same thing. And no one knew he blocked it until you talked to him. That's right. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, I guess that's it for the football portion. Anything else? Oh, there's there's another non-football portion. We've got some we've got some questions to answer. Turns out, okay. uh, Coach Flint texted us. He saw Templar on his flight. Mm. There was a guy in front of him. It was uh, loudly complaining about a uh, crying child, woman with three kids under four. It's not going to end well for that guy. That's for sure. I got a whole. I got a feeling him and his whole family is going down. Um, let's see. Let me f- pull up these questions here. What ends first, Sheil? The Eagles season or the government shutdown? Well, I don't want to like give anything away. I don't have my pick ready. So you know, know when the government's going to shut down? Yeah. Okay. Or when it's going to stop? Yeah, when it's going to end. Yeah. Shut up. When it's going to shut up. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. Uh, let's see. <laughs> On a scale of one to multiple, is this a numbers game? I think that's for you. Okay. Uh, I would say multiple. I'm trying to pull up these questions. I felt like we had a bunch of questions, and now I can't really <laughs> find them. So things are going really well on this episode. Well, there were some questions about the the slippers. There some were follow-ups. Uh, there was a question wanting to know, will I wear the slippers out to like get the mail? Of course not. Y- you keep a spare pair of flip flops right by the door, some slides, whatever you want, and that way, if you need to go out to just take out the trash, grab the mail, grab a uh, you know if there's a. a package uh, out front that you need to grab you can just do that easily you don't want to go out there with the slippers get them all dirty and then come back inside Ugh. every now and then i will i will i will take a very quick jaunt in the slippers if that's what i'm wearing oh gross yeah well and you will also not go socks in the house you already said we there was some pushback on that from some listeners some people were worried they, they said i had they have to go socks because Otherwise, their feet are so sweaty in the slippers. To that, I say you, you don't have a high-quality pair of slippers. Mm. I've had that issue in the past. Then I, uh, you know, splashed on myself, got these bad, you know, these, uh, the, these wonderful uh, Ugg slippers. Mm. Feet will be very comfortable. From your boy Tom Brady. Hit up an, hit up an outlet. You know, 50 bones for slippers that are going to last like uh, 10 years. That's a good investment. Ten years? I don't know. I've already had them for like five. They and they look uh, they look brand new. Okay. Uh, Daniel Ruddle says the Please Touch Museum. 
a great spot for sports Indian meetups and the likely origin of every flu, cold, hand, foot, and mouth season every year in Philly. Dr. Shield should do a segment where the illnesses are traced back to patient zero. Surely a Please Touch Museum guest while contagious. Mm. I know that's right. (laughs) Uh, Considering this is the second largest point spread the Eagles have faced as underdogs, will Bo walk around the Superdome during the game trying to write a story that has nothing to do with the field? Uh, The Saints press box is good enough that I don't have to do that, I think. But I think it's I think it's a very nice place to watch a game. It is a good place to watch a game. A little bit, uh, a little bit. You, you know, if you want to hear sports writers complain, like the like the uh, the softest thing a sports writer could possibly complain about, you might be surprised to learn that the coldest press box is not Lambeau Field; it is the Superdome. Yeah, I did learn that. I'm going to have to bring something to cover up my bald head for this game. <laughs> It was a little chilly. <laughs> I'm glad you said one. bald head and not something else that I thought you were going to say. As <laughs> you started that, say, that <laughs> sentence. Those two will be covered. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's right. Uh, okay. <laughs> I can't believe we're still going. It is fun. It- it is fun because it's well, what, I mean, open it is, air. It is. It is. It is Nolans. You never know. You true. You might want to get some beads for yourself. That's true. Uh, but yeah, you can hear the crowd. It's very loud. Uh, very fun environment. It is. It is. Uh, we had the question of uh, if the Eagles win, would we rather go to L.A. or or Dallas? Originally, well, my thought was I'd rather go to L.A. because it's uh, you know nice weather, but I can't go to that press box again. I'd much rather go to go go to Dallas, the best press box situation in the in the league. I think that's probably right for Saturday and Saturday evening. I think you would probably have to say LA, although we uh, have you, our yeah, I mean, you, you, yeah, you you throw a defop Ed under the bus at your own peril. You just said Dallas. Yeah, I said Dallas. I'd rather go to Dallas. Oh, yeah. Oh right. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So we so we could have a nice uh, nice dinner with uh, Defop Bed. So maybe it would even be Dallas for that. But yeah, in terms of the viewing well, experience, you're throwing Defop Brad under the bus. You pick it. What, what are you doing? I mean, we couldn't see anything at the Coliseum, and that was a regular season game. So now, if it's the NFC Championship game, I don't even know that they would let us in. So yes, Dallas yeah, is that's a, true. Is there a were, great yeah, deal. and there would be yeah, there would be more media, so it, it would actually be pretty tough. Again, so we want to be able to watch the game, terrible, and, uh, uh, bring the fine subscribers of the Athletic some uh, some good stuff, and so uh, I think I would say also, I mean that Eagles the Cowboys, yeah, how, yeah, you can't get better than that. Yeah, third time lost the first two, the OT game, uh, Wentz's last game. That that I yeah, I think it would definitely be Dallas. Uh, John Powers wants to know, what did you think of uh, Siumalu's game, Shiel? Well, I remember there was the 139 where he, uh, they ran the one-back power and he pulled around and took out the linebacker. That was a nice job by him uh, that led to a 10-yard run and a first down. In pass protection, in the, some of the plays we looked at with Jeff Schwartz, I thought he was pretty good. There was one where he let... Uh, Mac get by him, but he really delivered a nice effort. You know, the Eagles had like three or four plays in this game where they just shoved a guy at the very last second that allowed Foles to get rid of the football. And and that's a point Jeff Schwartz was making was that it's not always going to be pretty. Uh, and plays like this are really important. And say Amalu had one like that. I, I don't remember. I know he was taking some heat for one of those runs at the goal line on the last series, I didn't look at that play that closely, so uh, I don't know. But uh, I think that was the consensus that he got pushed back a little there. But uh, I thought he was fine, pretty good overall. One thing that we have failed to talk about, and this and this is our fault, uh, and there have been some questions about it, was we. How we, could there be anything that we failed to talk about? We do out ninety-minute pods every day for two weeks, and there are things we failed to talk about. That's yeah, pathetic. we have not given uh, enough guff. 
to uh, Jake Elliott for that kickoff at the end of the game, or or to Dave Phipp uh, for they have had several late in-game kickoffs this season. Uh, this is a question from Alex Mercer. You know, I, I don't know really what to, what the question is, but that they, they can't afford that. They almost lost the game because of that. Well, weren't they trying to? Now, do you think they were? I don't think they – I think that last one against the Bears, I do not think they would have been trying to invite a Tariq Cohen kickoff return. I don't know. I'd have to rewatch it. I thought maybe you'd have them take some time off the clock, but who knows. All right. Okay. More likely to be one of the starting five DBs next year, Ronald Darby or Craven LeBlanc? Now I'm going to say Craven LeBlanc. Mm. Yeah, he's under contract, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess that's right. So that gives him a leg up. Darby's not, and then, uh, yeah, I could see a scenario where he's your nickel going into next year. I guess I would be surprised. But really? Yeah, because they still. Uh, I don't know. I guess not. Is he 24 years old? Yeah, I guess not. Cheap contract. Yeah, but then what do you do with what do you do with Mills, Maddox, Jones, Douglas? Maddox is your it's free a good safety. Good problem to yeah, have. That's what people were saying at the beginning of this season. Yeah, maybe unless he's just really good at cornerback. Mm-hmm. Should it bother you or the fans that Nick Foles follows Carson Wentz on Instagram, but Wentz doesn't follow Foles back? Sorry, you said Wentz doesn't follow Foles? No, but Foles follows Wentz. Mm. Uh, no, I don't think that should bother anybody. <laughs> okay, fair enough. All right. I, I, think, uh, I think it's clear that we've hit the end of the road here. Okay, good, because I'm getting a poor network connection message. Okay. All right. Well, we one, more, one more plug for The Athletic. Okay. I went over with uh, with Joe Banner. I came up with the nine scenarios, the nine possibilities of what happens to Nick Foles after this season. We went over every single one. He gave his take. I think it's going to be a useful primer for everybody. And so uh, that'll be up at some point Friday morning before noon on the Athletic Philly. If you don't subscribe, I've told you. You're pathetic. It's good. We, you keep, we, we, we've been slowly picking up like one person a day on these now. There have been a couple people who have either tweeted at us or left a review and said they've given in to me uh, yelling at them, and they finally subscribed, and I don't think they've been disappointed. So Now, when uh, you the say athletic... – go ahead. No, I was just going to say theathletic.com slash WIP, as everybody knows – Thirty percent off and a seven-day free trial. When you say the nine scenarios, you mean you don't have to go through all of them, but you mean um, the Eagles franchise him, the Eagles pick up the option and then trade him, uh, the Eagles trade Wentz, all that different kinds of stuff. Correct. Okay. And I gotta say his uh, his comments about some of the more far-fetched scenarios I thought were rather interesting. Mm, my interest is peaked. There you go. All right. My interest, P- my interest is beaked. That's P-I-Q-U-E. Well, not when I, not when I just corrected it to beaked. Okay. That's B-I-Q-U-E. <laughs> That's right. Um, okay. Well, that'll do it for this uh, rousing edition of Birds with Friends. We will be back tomorrow to close out Nowlin's Week with our predictions. And... Uh, a little bit more. Any final words, Dr. Kapadia? No. Spoken like a uh, true man of the people. For Sheila and Bo, and as always, we love you.